0: Oh my goodness. What a welcome. Thank you so much, Jordan. That blessed me deeply. I am extremely excited to share. I uh, don't know if I was supposed to share this, but I got a call at 1130 today that said, hey, do you, uh, I feel like you're supposed to share tonight at the seven o'clock service. Could you do that? And I said, well, I trust you. So yeah, if you heard it, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was joking because Riley did it last night. I, we had a little uh, tussle there and he's like, I'm not kidding you. And I was like, Then I'm ready. So, uh, So here I am. So I am uh, full-time in the marketplace, and the Lord uh, has—it's been a real, real struggle kind of figuring out what that looks like because I'm extremely passionate about Jesus in the last three years, and so it's like I uh, I love the church. Every time I'm here on Sunday, I'm like, this is where I want to be, and then I go out in the marketplace, and it's trying to find— Uh, what exists in here. And so it's been a real journey for me. um, That's really, since day one, since I started, I really got passionate for God and then stepped into the marketplace. And day one was like, wow, it's like, I wish my secret place was all day, but that's not, that's not how God wants us. So, um, so I am, uh, I'm going to talk to you about the marketplace and just really what the Lord, share a lot vulnerably from my story, the Lord has taught me and, and hopefully it'll transfer over to you. Uh, one person I want to honor before I start, my dad's here, and uh, yeah, this might be an emotional one, but um, I, I wouldn't be on this stage if it wasn't for you, and, uh, and my dad has, I don't know anybody with more integrity, and... Uh, more generous than you and so what you've done has birthed something in me and I ever since I was little I remember I used to say like mom and dad buy presents for Jacob because I just wanted to be generous and it's because of you that that I have a a heart like that and I I credit you for that I'm here when Jordan asked me I was like wow if it wasn't for you so just giving me a place to shine I wouldn't be here so thank you so much and I love you (laughs) you So if you have your Bibles, open to Genesis 39, and that's where I'm going to start, and then we shall see where we go from there. (laughs) So this is the story of Joseph, and uh, lots of us are probably pretty familiar with it. There's a lot of, like, huge application—I mean, like, he— interpreted dreams and there's a lot of like big moment like daniel in the lion's den when joseph interprets dreams i think he had did so much in the kingdom characters that you learn about when you're little because it's so you know he has he had did so much in the kingdom um and just had a big call in his life and so i want to start us there um in genesis 39 a little background most of you uh are probably familiar familiar some of you may be may not be but um Joseph, basically, his brothers, he tells his brothers that he had this dream. I think he had 12, 11, 12 brothers. He tells them, I had this dream that I I basically, there was like crops, and I grew up to be larger, larger than all of you all, and they were like, he was the youngest one, he was the baby, and they're like, we don't like that. And so they end up selling him into slavery, and he ends up in Egypt as like a young boy, and then he's uh, he goes to serve... Um, under Pharaoh's house. And so pick up in verse one of 39. It says now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard an Egyptian had brought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him And that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. That's pretty astounding, that last verse. he um, And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. He trusted Joseph so much that he he was, I can just imagine him, he's probably sitting in his man cave like, it doesn't matter what's going on because Joseph, I can trust Joseph, and I know what kind of man he is, and, and things are getting done in my kingdom. Um what I want to, to point out and even pick on, I think everybody, including myself a little bit, is when I've read this story, I've always, uh, like I have, lots of these next pages are underlined for me where Joseph's interpreting dreams, and it's like all the big moments. And what I want to bring us, our attention to today is that um, it was actually before before any of the dream interpretation happened, it says that... His master saw that the Lord was with with him and and the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. And so I think and then it talks about later on, it says. um, The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So I think, I think we can look at this and we could say, oh yeah, yeah, Joseph had favor and so he just, when it talks about the field, yeah, Joseph had favor so he didn't actually do anything. The crops just grew. Or yeah, Joseph just had favor so he was naturally successful. But I actually... This is my assumption, I think it's a pretty good one. I might be kind of biased, but you can pick if you agree or disagree with me. Um, I actually think that in this, when it talks about a field, I work with a lot of farmers in my industry and they are hardworking people. They come in and they're absolutely sunburned because they've been out in the field all day and the meetings are quick because they're like, I need to get back to my field. I think that in here I think the reason that Joseph found favor under Potiphar's watch is probably because he worked so incredibly hard and probably because he was so honorable and trustworthy. And I would imagine it's easy to read, Riley actually talked about it yesterday. We read like a paragraph when it's years of a person's life and and it's easy to read that paragraph and just pass it by, but when I meditate on this on this passage I think okay Joseph came and he sat under Potiphar I don't think he showed up with all the favor in the world I don't think a young boy walked in the room and all of a sudden the one some one of the highest officials in Egypt I don't think all of a sudden he was like oh I just want to give that boy favor just because and I'm just going to go sit in my man cave and relax and hope that things get done I think, I think it was probably a lot different than that, and I think it was probably a lot like what we see today in the marketplace where we step in a situation and... Uh and I'll share more about this in a little bit my story. But it's like, Lord, I want favor. Like, like, give me influence. And then you step in the marketplace. And it's like, oh, I'm in a cubicle making calls. That doesn't feel like favor. I think Joseph, I think Joseph, he, he interprets dreams later in, the, later in his life. I would imagine Joseph said like, Lord, I want to have dreams. I want to have visions. Give me more. And I think the Lord probably had him in this place where, where the Lord was like, no, 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 just honor your master. Why don't you just honor your master? And it says, because of Joseph, all of Egypt, there was favor. It says, uh, and the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. That's pretty crazy. Imagine if your boss came to you and said, man, like, I'm actually the one making more money, but what are you doing? Because I've just not even cared about anything but what I'm eating. I'm actually the one who's reaping the benefits, but, but... it's you, Joseph, but what are you doing, and and why why is there so much happening? So I think uh, I like to extrapolate that. I like to sit here and think maybe what were those first couple years like? What was that time period actually like? And so um, I believe it was because of the work of his hands that caused him to prof- prosper. One of my favorite quotes that uh, a businessman in Ecuador uh said to me that marked me, and I'll never forget it. He said, we were talking about the marketplace, and it's hard work, and this and that. And he, he looked at me when he was, he was kind of prophesying over me. And he looked at me, he said, one day of favor is better than a 1,000 days of labor. And I've thought a lot about that because it's interesting because in my own journey with the Lord, it's like I love to wake up in the morning. I would love to just sit for three hours. Favor, God, give me favor. Give me favor. I want more. And then, like, walk into the marketplace, and the favor just shows up. And and that had actually when he said that to me, I kind of had like this pair, this mindset that was like, okay, I'm just gonna go for favor, and it was almost like one day a favor better than a thousand days of labor. Maybe I shouldn't work for a thousand days and just ask for favor. I mean, and really, and so so I got, I I realized that like I had like I had a bad mindset to that, and I've actually taken what he said to me, and I realized a while back I was like. I think labor is actually like a landing pad for the favor of God. Like when we, when Joseph, when Joseph goes into Potiphar's house and he's out in the field and he's digging and he's on his hands and knees thinking, Lord, I want to interpret dreams. Lord, I want to be Pharaoh's right hand man. Lord, I want to be bigger. I would imagine. And the Lord says, no, no, no. Just keep digging this trench that's going to take you all day. Just keep digging this trench, and I will give you favor because i 'm a good dad i'll give you favor, but you don't always feel it, and that 's the hard part that 's the tension that we all live in, right big dreams and it's like lord it's been it 's been a couple months now, and i haven 't yet had a dream that i 've been asking for and so I think Joseph was very much in that in that place um, so I want to share a little bit of my story and really uh Really, my struggle throughout, uh, throughout being called to the marketplace, I feel like as much as I want to run from it, I feel so, so deep in my gut that I'm called to the marketplace. So I'm finally like, okay, I'm, I'm called and I'm going to stay here. And uh, it kind of started because I, I kind of already shared it, but I got passionate for Jesus. I had done some youth ministry. And then stopped for a time. Got really passionate for God, and I was like, Lord, I just want like I just want people to be saved. I just want everybody to know your name. I just wanna, I just wanna go around. Every time I would get in a position where I was able to minister to somebody, it was like I would literally be like, Lord, that's what I've longed for. Like I long to see like face-to-face connection with people who, when they can look in my eyes, hopefully they can get a small glimpse of the face of Jesus, and that's my biggest prayer. And so uh, it was a real struggle for me because I was like, I was like, okay, I. I'm in the marketplace, and the marketplace is a lot of like, you guys know, A, B, C, D, E, F. It's like, God, I just want the Z, where it's like a glory moment, but there's all these, there's all the letters in between, and so it was a it was a struggle for me, and uh, I I would sit in meetings, and, and probably for the first year and a half I was in the marketplace, I really would go home at night, and I would struggle, because I, w- I would sit with the Lord, and I like, after like, A long day of work, I love going home and sitting and then asking myself questions. I'll look back on the day and I'll say, why did I get frustrated there? Why, when this happened, why did I react like that? Why am I so tired? Why do I feel so drained? You know, just ask myself questions. And I would go home and I'd say, Lord, I'm like, you know the desires of my heart. I want to see, I want to see, like, I want to see you encounter people. And I would sit in meetings and I would try to, like, I would, like, try to get as clever as I could. Like, somebody would be talking to me and I'd just be trying to, like, try to sneak Jesus in there, like, Lord, I'm gonna sneak your name in wherever I can and whenever I can and hope it's like a fishing hook that they catch, but I'm not good at fishing, and I wasn't very good at this either, (laughs) because it was like, the marketplace, Susanna said it a while back when she preached a message, and she was like, the marketplace has, like, fully walked away from Jesus, like, it's not like they're, like, pretty open, I mean, I think... Like, we can all probably agree that in our culture, a lot of people are like, yeah, I've heard that name, and I want nothing to do with it. And so it's like just, I found, and there's times still where I'm called, and the Lord's like, no, no, just, like, just, just tell them about me. Just bring me, you know, and, and preach them the gospel. But I would say that majority of the time, it looks a lot different than, than that. And that was extremely hard for me, because I was like, it was like I was battling there. And I would imagine with Joseph, I don't think he stepped in here and went to Potiphar and said, let me tell you who my God is. Let me tell you who my Jesus is. I imagine that what we see here, he does that later in the book. And Pharaoh ends up saying, he ends up giving glory to God. But it was after a lot of time. After this, that I, 39 that I read to you, he gets thrown in a prison and he does it again. And he grows in favor because he's, I would imagine he's cleaning the prison. I'd imagine he's doing a lot of little, simple things. Um, I want to tell you guys a story. It was, a, I like to describe it as, like, a key that unlocked something that I feel like I hold a key now that's absolutely invaluable. Um, and it was, I, um, I, I've had an interesting run with barbers. Jordan knows I always have the most interesting guys that cut my hair that are, like, so far in different places. And so... Um, The guy that cuts my hair for a while now is a Muslim guy, and every time I sit down with him, I love the barbershop because I'm like, I can just sit there and talk to you all day, and you can't just stop cutting my hair like you gotta finish. So I can just, you know, yak your ear off, and you can yak. It'd been probably, and so uh, I was sitting with him, and it'd been probably, it'd been probably a year, maybe, maybe, probably close to a year, and I'd been like trying, I've been trying to engage him, asking him questions. I talked to him about Jesus once, and it was very much like he just agreed with everything I said because he thinks Jesus is a good man. And so it was just like I left, and I was like, well, didn't really feel like I got anywhere. And it was like I wanted to see a, a powerful moment with that man. And I, I deeply – I started caring about him so much because he shared a story with me. And I was sitting, uh, I was sitting with him one time, and I was like – I just was frustrated. I was just sitting there, and it was just silent, and I was like – I was like, Holy Spirit, like, tell me what to do because this is frustrating. Like, you know, like, you know my desires. Like, I just want to see this man. Like, I care about this man. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, just honor him. And I was like, I was like, I've tried to honor him. He's like, no, no, no. Like, just really, really intentionally honor him. And I was like, okay. So I had known from past conversations that he had six kids. And uh, funny time to take a drink. But um, I knew that he had six kids. And so I knew, and I know that he would I, I knew that he had cut hair for a long time, and he actually, when the war broke out in Iraq, he, there was bombs blowing up in front of his house, crazy, crazy stuff, and so he had to move back here. And I looked at him, and I was like, I said, why, why have you cut hair for so long? Pressed more. I said, uh, he goes, well, he's like, you know, he's like, I have six kids. And I said, so, and I just pressed more. I said, so why do you do it? And he said, well, he's like, I want to put all my kids through college, and he's like, and I want to see all of them succeed. And I just, like, I he, I looked at him when I knew he wasn't going to cut my ear off when he kind of paused. I looked at him, and I was just like, that's one of the most generous things I've ever heard, that you've cut hair for 30-some years simply because you want something good for your kids. And it was so, so simple. Like, there are stories that I could tell you that you would, you know, like, miracle stuff that you'd be like, oh, my, that's crazy. But this literally, like, something in my mind flipped where I honored him, and he, like, took a step back and, like, looked at me like, almost got emotional as if like, I've known that, but nobody's ever told me that. Like I've lived 30 years being generous for my kids, but I never really thought it was that valuable because nobody called it out in me. And so in that moment, his son, his 18 year old son was in the back cutting someone else's hair. And he, uh, there's like a glass pane. So I could see his son cutting, cutting the guy's hair. And I like looked at him. I was like, Hey, I was like, look at your son. And he like looks at his son, and I was like, the reason he's back there doing that is because he's seen what you've done, and he wants to imitate what he sees in your life. And I knew he had told me that him and his son had a horrible relationship. His son ends up finishing the haircut, walks in, and is sitting there watching him cut my hair. And I looked at him, and I knew why he was watching, but I looked at him, and I said, I was like, why are you watching the haircut? And he goes because my dad's the best. There's, no, there's nobody better than my dad at cutting hair. And like the dad looked at him and it was like this holy moment where I felt so removed from the situation. And it was like the father and son were having like a redemptive time. And it was like, and all it was was honor. It disturbed me because I like thought, I was like, Lord, I was like, all I did was honor. All I did was ask him simple questions and then tell him he was a generous man. And I think I th- that applied to me so much in the marketplace because so many times it's like people are so far from God. And that guy's not a Christian yet, but I'm like more stoked than ever because I'm like, I have a door and I have favor in his eyes. Because every time I come in, he's like so excited to see me because he knows that I want to, con- he knows that I just want to honor him. And so it was a profound moment for me as, as it pertains to honor. And I really honor is the biggest key i found as as of yet. You know, I'm, I'm still digging for more, but I found that like honor, when I sit in meetings with people and they share things about me about why are you creating this business and it's, and they tell me, I always find something to honor. I find the smallest thing to honor because people don't do it these days. I mean, think about the last time that a random stranger walked up to you and really like said things that you're like, I don't know why you're doing this, but it makes me feel really good. It's like we have opportunities so much in the marketplace, and it's so little and so simple, but what I wanna propose to you guys is that the little, small, minuscule, seemingly stupid compliments in honoring people, it does a world of difference because it's like a chisel and a rock that there's a diamond inside of, and it's like you're chiseling away at the rock, and the diamond starts to show, and then more honor, and you start to chisel more, and you see the diamond more, and suddenly the diamond's shining, and this personally suddenly starts honoring you because they recognize, like, oh, I'm valuable, and so now I'm actually going to give away my value, because, not give away my value, give away honor, because I know, like, because you've helped me come in to know who I am. I know I'm imagining a lot tonight, but I would imagine that Joseph did that a lot with with the people he worked with, yeah. was he took, you know, you don't. You don't get honored just by going to the boss and trying to find favor in his eyes. I I would think that Joseph was in the field and he was honoring people around him. And suddenly it created this culture where everyone, the the boss probably, I mean, some of us have had it where a boss has come and said, I keep hearing good things about you. I keep hearing good things. I, why do I keep? I mean, Jordan will come to me. I, dude, this person. Everybody's talking about this person, and what does it always come down to? Because they honor other people and they do things that nobody sees, but it, it makes the world of difference. Second Chronicles sixteen nine is a verse that I would underline fifty times if I had bigger space between my between the lines. Um, it says, "For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward Him." I love that picture because it doesn't show it doesn't show a God that like sits back and like just like okay, I'm just gonna cast some favor there. I'm just gonna cast some of my blessing over there. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna cast some of my strength over there. It says His eyes are looking to and fro. His eyes are searching. He's 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 searching. He's looking. I think he's on the edge of his seat. Like, where's a man or woman that's blameless toward me that I can just give my strength to, that I can just pour out my favor on, and uh, and in the marketplace, I think that I think the Lord is so 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 in this generation. I think, I think in the time we're sitting in the time period, I think the Lord is just looking for people in the marketplace that will just like almost like just bloom and everyone will look at it and say like like yeah that's the person that's bring honor create different you know flip the cultures around create different cultures and why i share that about that comes down to character when the i you know the lord's eyes are looking to and fro he's looking for someone blameless someone who has just incredible character and who's integrous, and i think those things we hear the words all the time My dad used to always talk to like, come on, it's a character issue. You got a heart issue. And I'd be like, oh, my gosh. No, it's not a heart issue. I'm just frustrated. It was a heart issue, but give him credit now. But um, what I what I, I shared some of this at the start, but I think. I've prayed a lot of big prayers. I think we get disappointed, at least myself. I get disappointed a lot because I'll be in the secret place in the morning just with God, like seeing what he wants to do through my life, praying big, huge prayers, praying, Lord, put me in front of kings in the marketplace, set me in front of politicians, set me in front of leaders, set me in front of people that have so much influence that I can just speak words of honor and that I can leaven and that I can have influence under. And then I'll step into the marketplace and then it's like a day that felt like a ton of emails and i walk back and it's like okay i'm with the you know i'm in the secret place again and it's like it's like lord how long am i going to have to pray these prayers before i actually see the fulfillment and i think I don't say that to discourage you from praying the prayers because I think I actually say it to encourage you because I what I've realized is I started praying probably two years ago, I wrote down just the most enormous prayers that I could pray, like specific people, Lord, put me in an office in a conference room in front of this person, Lord, this is what I desire. Lord, I just started praying these prayers and I pray, I still pray them all the time, almost every day, I just say, Lord, this is what I'm going after. And, and in that season, in the last probably probably two years, two years ago up to recently, I was just like, I would get like frustrated like we all do where it's like, man, I'm not seeing the fulfillment. And the Lord one day, I was on a walk in the morning and I was just thinking, I'm like, man, I am a long, I was looking out over this, this pond and I was just thinking, I was like, man, I am a long way from the promises. It feels like I'm so far from the promises that I've heard you speak to me. I feel like I'm a mile away. It, it just feels like it's almost unattainable, and I just asked the Lord a simple question. I said, "I said, Lord, I said I want to change the world." And I felt funny saying it because we hear people say it all the time. "I want to change the world. I want to change the world." Like we hear it all the time. And I said, "Lord, I truly want to change the world, but it seems so far from me." And He said, he, and He just said so gently and convicting, but so gently. He said, "He said, John, if if you want to change the the world." Just let me change you, just let me mold you. And it, it took me back because I know that in my head. but in that moment it was like I stepped back and I was like, I was like, okay, so I really just like what Brittany was talking about last service, like really just lean my head against your chest, feel your heartbeat. And you're gonna actually accomplish things in my life. You're actually gonna do great work. I actually will I'll actually go into the office you're telling me, and the next years might feel like a lot of pointless emails, a lot of meetings with people that aren't kings, that that aren't kings in the marketplace, a lot of a lot of the small things, and you're telling me that I'm actually gonna produce something bigger? And those are the questions, and that that just it took me to a place where I just, I said, okay, Lord, I said, you can, you can possess me, you can change, you can mold my character, because I looked at, I looked at Joseph's story, and I was just like, he did not, I don't think he probably had the character at, when he was a young boy, to steward being basically the most powered man in Egypt, second to Pharaoh. I I would guess that he didn't have that, and I looked at that, and it gave me hope, because I'm like, oh, I'm like, I need to really, I need to, if I'm gonna send emails, if I'm gonna clean, if I'm gonna clean the bathroom, if I'm gonna do these things, I really need to do them well. Because every time I do them, it's like I'm digging, I'm digging to the promises, I'm digging, I'm digging. I look at it these days, I look at it, I always think about this. I'm like, there's a deep, deep well somewhere down there, and I just want to dig to it. So every little task I do, it's like, okay, I'm just going to dig. I'm just going to dig because I know you're a faithful God. And I know that someday I'm going to see the rivers of righteousness flowing forth. I want to share a story with you guys as it pertains to uh, to my big prayers and uh, in what I saw. And it wasn't the fulfillment of them, but it was like a small glimmer that gave me a lot of hope. I had uh, I prayed that prayer. I shared, Lord, I want you to put me in front of kings, and I want to have influence, and I want to I want to I want to change. I want, I want to bring bring something. you know, I want to influence them, and and I knew it was a weird place, because I I imagined myself sitting in front of somebody that's so influential, and immediately being like, oh, you're the influential one, and I'm just gonna, like, let you run it, and just listen to you, and so I had already thought these things out, I'm a thinker, so I'm just, I'm thinking these things out, and uh, when Jordan, I don't know if it was, I think it was last year, but he had called the church to a 21-day fast, and whatever, you know, do, do just some type of fast, and, uh, I decided to do a 21-day liquid fast, which was difficult, but there was grace on it. But uh, um, I, so I was doing this, and recently a real estate deal had just closed that I wasn't I wasn't directly a part of, but the guys who closed the deal were guys out of Chicago, and they were hiring me on the on the back end to go market what they were buying for them. And so it was pro, it was one of the bigger deals in the valley. These guys owned a huge development company, were kings of the development world in my mind. And I, they, they asked me, they said, hey, will you come to dinner with us? We're flying into town. It was a celebration party that they had just closed. The deal, will you come to the dinner just so all of our guys can meet you, the whole team? And so I, they sent me a calendar invite. I clicked yes. I was, I'm going to go. And then all of a sudden, I don't know why it didn't hit me sooner, but you know where I'm going with this. I'm driving to Chandler's downtown, or I forget where. It's a different restaurant, but a fancy restaurant downtown. And all of a sudden, as soon as I, I leave the office, it hits me. It was like... I'm on a 21 day liquid fast. I'm like, we're going to a restaurant that's like probably a 50, $60 plate that they're gonna buy. And what am I gonna do in this moment because I'm on a liquid fast. And so literally all these things are processing through my mind and I was like, I was like literally I, I had a conversation with the Lord and I was like, you're so gracious, God. I'm like, you know my situation you know exactly where I'm at. Like, Lord, I have prayed to sit in front of kings and now is my chance. So I'm just going to eat real good tonight. And then I'll start my liquid fast up again tomorrow. And I just thought, and I was just like, man, and it was the end of the fast. So I was like, it was more just me like being competitive with myself. I was like, no, no, no. I haven't ate hard food in like 15, 16 days. I was like, I'm not gonna spoil it with a good meal. And so I thought about, I was like, maybe I just won't go to the meeting. And I was like, no, I need to, they flew into town. So I go to the meeting, we're sitting, not really meeting, but dinner. We're sitting down at dinner. The guy who I had, I had meals with him previously. He always orders a bunch of appetizers. He orders this huge seafood platter. They set it down in front of our faces and start passing things around. And I'm just like, no, 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 I don't really eat that no, that's raw, I'm not, I don't really eat raw fish much, and I'm just, yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm not, not and they look at me, one of the guys looks, looks at me, and he's like, did you, it was the pre- CEO of the company was sitting next to me, he looks at me and goes, did you just eat dinner before this, and I was like, no, but I was like, this just really isn't my type of thing, and he's just like, well, it cost me like 120 bucks, so cool, so he kind of looks at me funny, and I was just like, I was like, okay, so I'm just kind of deflecting, but I knew the moment was coming where they were all gonna like, look at me like I was crazy and say, what are you doing? So it comes time to order dinner, and the, way the the lady's going around asking for everybody's order. She gets to me. She's standing between me and the CEO, and she taps me on the shoulder. And I'm, it's not a good I don't even look at her, and I know she's there. She, she, I'm, like, sweating. It's not a good situation for me. She tap, There's probably eight guys at this table. She taps me on the shoulder and, sir, what would you like to eat? And I was like, oh, no, I'm good. I'm just going to pass. And she's like, are you sure you don't want anything? And I was like... No, I didn't want you to ask, but no. And she's like, "Are she's like, are you sure?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm fine." And then I like glance up at the CEO guy, and he's just looking at me like he's like, "You're not going to eat?" And I was like, I was like, "No, I was like, I'm not. I'm good." And he's like he's like, "Weren't you going to eat?" And then he speaks up, so everybody's now looking directly at me. I was like, oh, okay, I was like, I'm going to freak him out, and I've, I would rather just honor you, but the Lord, now I'm in a situation where it's like, no, 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 I was like, I'm going to have to tell you, and so he, he's like, you're not going to eat, and he stops, the, the waitress is like, step back, she like, doesn't know what to do, and, he, and I was like, no, and he goes, why aren't you going to eat, I was like, well, I was like, I'm on a fast, and he's not a Christian, pretty new agey, doesn't, didn't understand what that meant, he's like, you're on a fast, and I was like, yeah, I was like, I'm, ju- I'm just not like eating right now. I mean, I'm eating some things. I didn't want to explain it, but I'm not eating this right now. And so he, he finally orders his few, food and then he turns his chair and faces me and he's like, why aren't you eating? And, the, and he's a, he's the CEO of a company, so he's not going to beat around, you know, he's not, he's just going to go for it. So why aren't you eating? And I was like, well, I was like... <laughs> I'm on a fast because I was like our you know our pastor at our church called us to a fast. I kind of threw I kind of threw Jordan under the bus and I was like, well my pat, you know our pastor called us to to it and then I was like thinking I was like that was stupid because now it looks like I'm just doing it cuz that's what he probably doesn't like about Christians. They just do whatever someone says. So Yeah, it sounded bad. So I end up, he's like, so how long aren't you eating? I was like, well, I'm I'm drinking liquids, but it's 21 days. And at that point, he was like, his jaw was so big that I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to just spill all the beans, which I wanted to, but I was just like, felt weird doing. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, so why aren't you eating? He's like, I, I don't understand. Why aren't you eating for 21 days? He just kept prying. And so I was like, okay, here. So I opened up a story. We had got back from India. Uh, a lot of you know the story when we saw the lady that was paralyzed for 15 years, stand up, her knee physically shifted in my hand, she stands up, starts running up and down the street, and so I, and and then we had come back, and we were going to go back to India, and I was I was just, I was fasting, I was just like, Lord, I was so hungry after I came back that I was like, Lord, I just, I want to be more hungry, I just want more, I want to see more of your glory, and so I just, I started sharing with him, I said, well, I'm fasting, because I went to India, started sharing him with the story, and he's like, what, he's like, what? he's like, what touched you so much about India? And I talked about the poverty some, but then finally I was just like, he's asking so much, so I just need to tell him. So I said, well, I said, I never seen something like this in my life. And he could tell I was, I was like, I didn't really know how to share it, because it's vulnerable to share, you know, it's like one of my greatest treasures that I have, and I was like, well, I was like, here's why, and I started sharing with him about the miracle story, and he doesn't say anything, he's like, he like, from his like, aggressive trying to figure me out, he like, kind of sits back in his seat, and he's just watching and listening, and then when I'm finished sharing with him, he's like, he's like, I don't know what to say, that's incredible, and then he's like, he's like, he's like, guys, he starts talking to the guys that work from his employees, guys, you need to hear, you need to hear why, because they all knew I wasn't eating, but they didn't all hear the conversation, hey, you guys need to hear this, this is crazy, and he wasn't saying it in a way like it was just a crazy story, he was saying it in a way that it was like, I don't, I could tell it was still up here, he was like, I don't know what to do with this, but it's, it's amazing, so I gotta I got to share that with him, and uh, it happened it actually happened in the same exact seats with another uh, another guy that's out of Malibu who's buying a bunch of real estate in Idaho right now, but we are sitting at the same restaurant, on the same seats. and he started asking me. He said, I told him I was going to India. this is actually really recently. I said, hey just so you know i'm going to be out in india in 10 days so i'm not going to be communicating with you a ton and then he said oh why are you going to india and then i talked about you know the poverty and the orphanage and this and that and then he's like you go that much though and he kept questioning me about why i kept going and so i just shared more and more but what i why i share that is because it was a it was a long time Okay, I say a long time, but it was like two years, so I know that's not a ton of time. It felt like a long time. But I was like, I started praying like, Lord, put me in front of kings. Lord, do these things. Like, Lord, I want to I wanna have have favor with these kings. And it was like, it was all this prayer and all this anticipation. And then when it came down to it, it was like, it was like the most awkward situation to walk into a meeting with somebody I had been praying to be in a meeting with for so long. It was like the most, but the Lord was like, no, the guy emailed me after I shared that story with him. He emailed me two weeks later and said, hey, I want you to fly out and do an internship at my company and you can be here for a week. You can be here for three months. He's like, I don't care how long you're here. And he said, I want you to email me. If you wanna just shadow me, you can shadow me. And he just like opened up this door to basically tell me what you want. And I didn't, I did, internship didn't end up happening but it was just amazing because I was like I was like Lord you so prepared me for that moment and Lord and what he showed me I, I asked the Lord I said why I said I want to be want to be put in front of kings in the Lord in the Lord one day I was confronted with how much fear of man I had I was I had so much fear of man inside me and it's still dying it's not dead yet but it's dying and gee I prophesy that to myself it's dying um but it was, I knew I had too much fear of man inside of me. And when the Lord showed it to me, I was like, oh, I'm like, thank you for not, thank you for not answering my prayer in this season, because I would have wasted it, because I wouldn't have known what to do. Thank you for actually keeping me hidden. And I actually go back to that place where I was hidden. And in some days, it's like, I wish I'm like, Lord, I'm like, now I've had chances to have some big meetings, but I'm like, Lord, I so loved that place. I so loved when I was like just doing the little things because I I know what that produces. And it's like, I always tell, I'm like, if I I have to do the little things, things forever, I'm like, I want to do the little things forever because I know it's so intimate. And it's where the Lord, it's like the Lord, it's the, I think it's in the little things that the Lord really loves to become our friend. Because it's where he's like, if I can trust you with a little, I can trust you with a lot. If I can trust you with a little, I can trust you with a lot. The Lord's told me that over and over. He's like, your dreams are so big, but if I can trust you with a little. I As it, I wasn't gonna share money. pertains to generosity. I used to have this mindset that it was like, Lord, once I make this much money, I'll be able to freely give away all this money because if I don't save up money, how am I ever going to have an amount that I can be like a big amount to be so generous with? And Lord convicted me and he's like, he's like, why do you think that you need to save up all this money to be so generous? And you're going to wait. Why wouldn't you just be generous now with the little and trust me that I will that I, I will supply more than you need. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't, I learned in the generosity, I learned, oh, I don't. Even if it doesn't increase, I'm fine with it because it's such a joy to be generous. And it's like I I went into it like, oh, if I be generous, then the Lord's going to show favor and more abundance and more abundance. But then I quickly realized I was like, oh, Lord, I was like, you're so good. The generosity actually isn't about me. The generosity actually brings me the most joy because it's about you. I know I've kind of shared all over the place, but um, what I want to share to end it is, uh, I just want to, I just want to challenge you guys to embrace the discomfort of where you're at. Uh, think about, just think about your current situation, and if it's great, awesome. If it's, if it's, if it's uncomfortable, great. But I would say wherever you're at, there's always discomforts. We're always in the middle of something. We're always looking. We're always glory to glory in the middle of that. Sometimes a long, long process. And so I would I would encourage you to embrace the discomfort, especially if you're in the marketplace, because it's an uncomfortable place. It's an uncomfortable reality to live in that like, like I, I live in the discomfort of like, Lord, I'll seek you in the morning and then I'll go out and it's like trying to find you. I'm trying to find you all day. I'm like, I know you're in here, but it's like I want somewhere for you to like manifest. I want somewhere. And so, what I would encourage you is to is to embrace your discomfort. And if you have big dreams, I think being uncomfortable is the best place to be. It's the best place you could ever be because the most uncomfortable people are the most motivated. The most the people that the people that actually sit in the tension of discomfort are actually going to be the ones that go for something because they they lock their eyes with they lock their eyes with something greater than themselves. And they, I have to do something like I just thought of this, but like Joel Ryman, who does Gates of Hope, he wakes up at six in the mornings on Friday to play basketball with a small group of refugees. I guarantee he doesn't show up every Friday morning saying, I'm so glad to be here. And it's just the glory of God every time. And I want to be there in the morning. There's a lot of days where it's like, man, I have a little boy and I have a wife and i want to be there in the morning but he's but he's so he's so disturbed i've talked to him about the refugees he's so disturbed with what's going on he's so disturbed that they don't have a place to call home and it's created the most beautiful thing and he becomes more disturbed as he steps forward he becomes more disturbed and so I would say if you have a disturbance in your life, an employee at work that you're disturbed by, uh, a situation, I would say run toward it and ask the Lord, where do I find what I'm looking for in this disturbance? Where do I Distur- Disturbance is like you should see it like a, whatever, like a thing, a target that you're shooting a bow at and disturbance. You should run toward it because it's, it's where it's where the Lord, I, I believe, wants to work. So to close, I just want you guys all to stand up. And I'm just going to pray for us. I've talked to so many people about the marketplace and I it's a it's a place that where it's like it's always swirling and I feel like we're always trying to find exactly where we're supposed to be or what we're supposed to do. And I think I think that the Lord is he's so gentle and he's so kind and and I just want to tell you like where you're at, like God sees you where you're at. And he, he knows where you're at and he loves where you're at because he's he two years ago, I look back and I was like, man, I kind of I didn't love where I was at. And I look back and I'm like, man, you used me where I was at. And I didn't even think so. And I sit here today and it's like I know in six months I'm going to look back and be like, Lord, oh, my word. I was looking for this and you were so in this and you were you were ministering to me here. So hold out your hands if you want. And I'm just going to pray, pray for us. Lord, I thank you that you see us, God. I thank you that you know us better than we know ourselves. God, I thank you that you see our rising up, God. You see you see us every morning, God. You see our situations. God, you see our disturbance. God, you see the places where there's tension. God, and I thank you that that there's a move in the marketplace, God, that there's 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 like there's so many people sowing in the marketplace, and you're ready, that you're the reign of heaven is falling on the marketplace. God, I thank you that you desire to pour so heavily heavily into the marketplace, God, and I thank you, God, that the honor that's been cultivated at Riverhouse. I thank you that it does not only exist within these four walls, God, but I thank you that it's actually been imparted into each individual to take it to wherever they're at, Lord. I thank you for the creative call on every single person's life in the marketplace, Lord. I thank you for the creativity, God, of every person, Lord, and I just ask, God, that you would teach us how to embrace the disturbance, God, so that in that place, we can find where you're calling us to go, Lord, so bless us, Lord, call us deeper, God, when when, I, when we're disturbed by the marketplace and we want to run, Lord, I ask that you call us deeper, God, and that, that we would just run further and deeper and be the most motivated people on this planet because we wanna see the king of kings manifest himself in, in in the marketplace so strongly. So fill us with your glory, God. And tomorrow, we will all wake up and we will go to the marketplace so full of joy and hope because you're good in Jesus' name.